Okay, cool. Good afternoon, welcome. And I want, I'm very excited about this one. We're joined by John Rogers, someone I've known for over 10 years now. Um, so I've got loads of questions that I'm very much interested in finding out myself. So hopefully it'll be interesting for, for all of you guys as well. Firstly, welcome, John. Thank you for joining me. Thanks very much, Andy. It's a pleasure. Thank you for asking me. Um, it's good to catch up with you as always. And first things first, congratulations on your new addition to the family. How's that going? Yeah, great. Thanks. Yeah, great. We've had a, um, another son. We've got uh, three boys now. So we're working towards the five-a-side football team at the minute. Uh, so we had a, a baby boy called Danny um, three weeks ago. And uh, he is uh, thriving and um, keeping us on our toes. Um, but yeah, all great. Thank you. Great. I mean, that's a good way to kick things off because I would say you're possibly the man associated with the most number of organisations from a work capacity. <laughs> so how are you balancing your now three children, newborn baby included, with everything else? Or how's Jess doing it, I should say? Yeah. I think that's the key thing is I'm very lucky that I have a fantastic partner who um, supports me and um, has supported me throughout my um, career in sports medicine and um, uh, has you know, allowed me to get on with um, doing my job. Um, and um, it's every year we have annual appraisals um, in medicine, as you probably know. And um, the thing that always comes up um, and my annual appraisal is getting the work-life balance right um, because it's something I've always really struggled with. And I think um, uh, I, I love my job. I feel very lucky and blessed to do a job that I, um, I feel I was born to do. And I, um, because I love my job, it's very easy to say yes to things um, and uh, to get involved because they seem like such exciting opportunities. And um, but the, the downside of that is that um, sometimes, uh, you know, I, I've definitely been guilty of taking on too much and that has a, a knock-on effect on, on the work-life balance. Um, so um, our 11-year-old son, Joshua, um, uh, whenever he was a, a young child, when he was about two years old, I was working for British Athletics at the time, as well as sort of um, working at um, down at Headley Court uh, uh, Military Rehab Hospital and um he um I, I that year in 2012 in particular was a really busy year professionally and a lot of traveling to training camps before the olympics and stuff and uh he used to whenever there were planes going overhead he would point up and say john's gone <laughs> not even daddy's gone but john's gone <laughs> so that sort of pulls your heartstrings a bit but um uh it's it is really hard i think um uh, you know, as I'm sure you find, you know, like it's for all of us, you know, life is busy and with the um, demands of uh, modern communication, you know, to and, and working in sport where the expectations um, can be very high at times. Um, it's, uh, uh, you know, it's hard to keep a balance with family life. And um, uh, as I said, you know, I'm, I'm very lucky that I've got a very understanding partner who, um, has um, uh, been very supportive um, uh, and helped me progress in my career um, and during that time. Yeah, no, definitely. That, that definitely makes sense. And from like, you, you also work for a number of different companies, the NHS included, but like, 
How do you balance that just from a professional standpoint? You're involved with several private organizations and so on. So how do you manage pulling all of that together? Yeah, like I think it wasn't um, um, intentional to work for, um, I, a lot of colleagues in sports medicine do a portfolio of different jobs. And because it's a relatively new specialty, um, I think um, there's not that many full-time NHS jobs, for example, um, you know, which would make life a lot simpler. But I, I enjoy the challenge of, of working in different environments. Um, so um, in sport and in, um, in the NHS and in um, private practice and the business development side of that, um, and in the, the role I have at MIP um, as well. It's, um, uh, I, I work in four different locations over five days of the week. Um, and uh, it's the other, I've got a fantastic practice manager, Susie, who is, I've worked with for the last um, eight years. And she's absolutely, I don't know if you've um, had much interaction with Susie, Andy, but she's, she's the most efficient person I've ever met in my life. And, I am a very um, disorganized person generally. So um, again, I'm very lucky that I've got her in my life and she keeps me on the straight and narrow and uh, she organizes my diary. Um, she, I consistently get fantastic feedback from patients um, um, and uh, about what a, what a good job she does. And um, uh, I feel very lucky to have, uh, have someone like her supporting me as well. She was certainly very efficient in booking you in for this. So, yeah, I agree with that with my experience as well. So going back to the beginning then, how, how have you come to, to be doing the role that you're doing now? Um, so I, um, at university, I um, was interested in sport. Uh, I played Gaelic football um, up until the age of 21. And then I got involved with athletics at university and... Um, after my houseman's year in Belfast at Belfast City Hospital, I moved to Manchester um, because there was a really good athletics coach, Norman Poole at Seal Harriers Athletics Club. And that was with the view to pursuing my athletics career. You know, and, and I worked in a job um, as a junior house officer where I was working 100 hours a week and I got a bit disillusioned with medicine at the time. And I thought I want to, I was in my mid twenties, you know, I want to focus on athletics. And when I moved to Manchester, I worked um, as a locum doctor around the Northwest of England in a, a lot of different hospitals, you know, 20 to 30 hours a week, just to uh, make a living really. Um, and during that time I was training twice a day and competing for steel harriers as a middle distance runner, which was fantastic. And uh, I'm um, doing the sport that I, I loved. And as my, Athletics career came to, to an end um, when I was in my early 30s. Um, I, um, I got a call from Neil Black, um, who was the head of medicine and science at British Athletics um, at the time, um, asking me you know, if I would be interested in, uh, in working with British Athletics. And I'd done some work experience with their then chief medical officer, um, Bruce Hamilton, who's a Kiwi who'd been head of... Um, sports medicine at Aspatar out in Doha and uh, was a real sort of um, influential um, sort of mentor in my early career, I would say. And, um, and it, for me, having competed as an athlete and seen the difference that um, 
having really good quality medical care and um, uh, could have in terms of management of your injury. I had a lot of injuries and illnesses and uh, I was fortunate to be put in contact with some really good people who made me think, you know, I'd like to do that. I can see how good that person is at their job. And, um, and then in about 2007, I trained as a GP in, in Manchester and I'd worked as a GP for a couple of years and um, uh, sport and exercise medicine as a specialty um, was recognized by the GMC and the first registrar posts uh, became available in London. And I thought, fantastic, I want to do that. And I applied and was lucky to get on that training program. So I moved to London and um, uh, started working there um, in, uh, initially in public health um, and uh, in orthopedic surgery. And at the same time, I took on a job with British Athletics um, looking after the endurance athletes. Uh, so from 800 meters up to marathon, doing a clinic at St. Mary's University in Twickenham and, uh, and traveling with the endurance athletes to training camps and to um, uh, championships and competitions. Um, so it was a bit of a transition from being involved in sport as an individual to sort of using that experience um, to, um, to do something that I, you know, I, I can involve in my career going forward. Um, and so like, you've also, from, from there, like you, uh, you were with the, the triathlon team, um, but how did you get involved with the military? How did that one come out? When I finished my sports medicine training in 2011, um, there was a, a job opportunity at Headley Court um, come up. Um, they were looking for a, um, a consultant to work on the lower limb rehabilitation team. And um, uh, my consultant at the time knew one of the consultants at Headley Court and um, he sort of put me forward for the post. And um, it was a... Um, at the time I, I needed a job, you know, and I just qualified and it was at the other end of the country, you know, we were living in Manchester with a, a young child and um, I was working one day a week at British Athletics on a Friday, but I would drive down to Headley Court on a, on a Sunday night and stay in Surrey and, and then drive, you know, work four days and then drive back up to Loughborough on a Friday morning early to a clinic at British Athletics and come back to Manchester on a, on a Friday evening. So it was a pretty exhausting week, but it was professionally the best experience of my life. You know, it was, I learned so much. It was a, a very um, special environment, very multidisciplinary with physiotherapy, exercise rehab instructor. Um, you know, we had podiatry, um, you know, people who are really experienced in their uh, individual fields and, visiting you know professors of peripheral nerve injury and you know so educationally it was um you were seeing a lot of patients um and you're also very supported by the other um multidisciplinary um colleagues um working there um in delivering a very high level of care um to the military personnel who came through um so i I was very, very lucky. I think it was just at the right time in my career and, and definitely I feel helped um, develop the skills that I needed and I've used since um, in, my, uh, in my career. So how do you think something like that, where you're seeing a very different population, how does that help you, say, in the athletic community that you're working with? 
Yeah, I think, you know, there's a lot of overlap. And so in that um, population, um, the, in the military population, some of the common um, pathologies that we would see are hip and groin problems. Um, so femoroacetabular impingement, um, inguinal disruption, adductor tendinopathy, uh, pubic bone stress injuries, neck of femur stress fractures. So in, because of the demands and that typically, you know, military recruits who do a, a sudden increase in their volume and intensity of, of marching and training, get a lot of overuse injuries around their hip and groin. And also um, one of the other clinics that, that I was involved with um, on a weekly basis was an exercise induced leg pain clinic where we'd see uh, patients with chronic exertional compartment syndrome, uh, popliteal artery entrapment syndrome, um, referred pain from the lumbar spine. And because you're seeing big volumes and it's a tertiary referral center uh, where patients are referred from the regional rehabilitation units across the UK and Germany, um, you, you get to see some really um, complex, challenging cases and you'd be talking through um, the, the complexities amongst the multidisciplinary team and you, you learn the subtleties of management in those different conditions. And then, you know, I, I can absolutely think of athletes who I saw in 2012, 2013, 2014, who had hip and groin problems and exercise related lower leg pain. And I was able to draw on that experience um, that I'd uh, had at Tedley Court and use the same, you know, go to national experts um, to, to help sort those athletes out. Um, and uh, um, so, you know, there, there's a lot of overlap, I think, between military medicine and sports medicine. You know, the military personnel are, are pushing their bodies really hard and um, they're getting, you know, common overuse musculoskeletal injuries in the same way as sports like athletics and triathlon, you know, get a lot of um, overuse injuries. And specifically, I was working with the lower limb rehabilitation team at Headley Court and, um, and a lot of the injuries that I see currently are or lower limb injuries um, in, the, in the endurance athlete population. Mm. So you mentioned specifically at Headley Court that the, the MDT was really strong. Why do you think that was there? Was that just that you got the resources there, you got the time, or what was the particular reason you think that was particularly good? Yeah, I think it was um, very deliberate. I think the um, experienced um, rehabilitation medicine consultants who worked there had developed the clinics in such a way that um, they wanted to have the relevant professionals in the room at the same time. And um, so the typical clinic there would be, um, and, and this replicates what happens in the MIAC, uh, the um, multidisciplinary injury assessment clinics across the regional rehabilitation units across the UK. Um, there's the, the doc, um, usually a sports medicine or rehabilitation medicine doctor, um, a junior doctor who's documenting and learning, um, uh, a very experienced musculoskeletal physio, an exercise rehabilitation instructor, so an, a strength and conditioning type person, and a podiatrist, all in the room at the same time, all sort of, uh, usually it was the, um, the sports medicine doc who would take the history, the physio would lead on the objective assessment, and then, you know, we would get our heads together uh, um, to, to discuss the next steps in terms of investigation and management. And the, the process was that the patients would come in for an assessment um, and that would take maybe an hour to an hour and a half. And then we would use that assessment to plan investigations 
and then bring the patient back in for a period of inpatient rehabilitation for three you know or four weeks where they would be absolutely hammered with strength and conditioning pain management but you know uh, really focused um rehab and you know as a result I, I you know we saw really good results and there's not many places i guess that have the finance um to to put in put that that amount in but uh, you know it's great to see that these people who are putting their lives on the line literally for us you know in afghanistan and iraq and wherever you know are are being supported with their medical needs in this way and it was um it was a great um learning experience uh, for me um uh to, to work in that environment um uh it was um it took a long time to get security clearance being a catholic from northern ireland <laughs> but it eventually came through uh, yeah yeah that does sound like an amazing experience i've not been to the new center but i've heard the facilities are absolutely amazing but we've some of my colleagues have been in there so i'm looking forward to seeing seeing that set up do you have any involvement with the mrc now not much. Um, like I know of colleagues who I worked with in the past and um, they have kindly offered to support our sports medicine registrars um, uh, in terms of taking trainees from the Northwest and, and for a six month placement to upskill them on rehabilitation medicine. Um, so, uh, you know, we have conversations about, about that. Um, but um, no, sadly, I don't have much interaction with them anymore. Um, uh, but just want to see them at conferences and stuff. Mm. Yeah, one of the things that I, from a personal perspective, I was really impressed and amazed by was that when I, I was referred, I had, a, I had a problem and it comes up my appointment sheet said Dr. John Rogers. So it's like, all right, okay, that's good. So you're, you know, you're still working in Manchester in the NHS and a really busy clinic, but I guess you don't need to be doing that now. Why do you particularly want to retain doing that position? Um, like I, uh, I think um, the, I've thought a lot about this because I, I do a lot of different roles, and I, I, I've thought a lot in the past about you know trying to cut back on so that I'm I'm focusing my energies more in one area than than another, but particularly with the NHS role, I believe that the, um, the service that we deliver for the um, population should be accessible to everybody, regardless of their financial background or what their, um, uh, you know, whether they've got private health insurance or whether they can afford to pay for a private MRI scan. You know, I, I don't want to limit the, um, service that I deliver to people who are just well enough off to afford that. I, um, uh, and I, I also feel that, you know, the NHS has touched my life and my family's life in lots of ways. Um, uh, you know, we, they've supported us and the three children that we have fantastically. My uh, partner was in hospital last week with a, a significant um, illness and and they were amazing at the maternity unit at Wittenshaw and they've also supported the NHS has supported me in my training as a junior doctor and in training towards being a consultant in sport and exercise medicine and I you know I, I see patients every week in my NHS clinic where I feel that 
you know, the, that we, we can have a lot of impact um, and, and that can be sometimes quite pivotal at that point in that person's life. And um, I, um, you know, I, I feel that it's, um, it's important that that's accessible to the, the wider population and it's not just um, for, you know, the elite athletes or the people who are, are well enough off to afford private healthcare. Yeah, no, it's certainly great. And how do you feel that difference between that? Are there any key things that you see as being different between the NHS work and the private work? Because a lot of the time you are seeing someone like you in both of them. Well, like how, how do you see the key differences between them? Uh, I think, like, sadly, in some respects, there is a two-tier service at the minute. Um, so in the private sector, we can get uh, MRI scans done on the same day. Uh, we can get a, a top-level orthopedic opinion from the top orthopedic surgeon in the country um, within one week or two weeks um, uh, for that particular problem, for example. Um, or we can get a top-level sports cardiology opinion um, on a specific um, athlete's uh, heart issue. Um, you know, so it's it's the speed of access. I think in in private healthcare is um, is very different to the NHS. Um, so our turnaround times for appointments at the minute we've got a massive backlog um, following the lockdown period, and um, so we're seeing patients. You know, maybe within new new referrals within maybe six weeks at the minute, um, um, and then it's four weeks for an MRI scan, and then another probably four weeks for a review appointment. So it's much slower in that respect. Um, although you know, cases are still prioritized depending on clinical urgency. So cancer cases are still prioritized. And, um, but um, so there's that difference, um, I guess, in the NHS clinic as well. Um, it's a, this is a generalization, but the, we see probably more um, psychosocial um, um, issues in the um, patients that I see in the NHS. Um, although we do see very similar um, physical presentations in, in either sort of the private sector or in the NHS. Yeah, no, that's, well, it's definitely good, good that you're doing anyway. So you mentioned some of the roles that you've really enjoyed and have you had any ones that you found particularly challenging, maybe in a good way, but also maybe in a way that's like, why the hell did I sign up for this one? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the British triathlon job was uh, that was particularly challenging, um, and I loved the the job in lots of respects. We had a great um, team of athletes, and uh, there are a great team of athletes there, both the Olympic and Paralympic, and the um, the medical team and, and coaching staff were lovely people to work with, and uh, it was um, you know. I really enjoyed traveling to triathlon competitions and covering the events. The, the challenging part was it, I found it a very stressful job in that um, the time commitment was one day a week and uh, to cover things off from a clinical governance point of view probably required at least two or three days a week. And it was very hard to try and squeeze that in. And I, I felt like it was managing a lot of risk uh, where athletes were training or competing in different parts of the world, sometimes where the um, emergency medical care at the events was 
substandard from what we would accept in the UK. And, um, and as a result, um, the, the risk management, um, I only felt like we had only so much control over that. And it felt like the International Federation um, in triathlon had some work to do to get up to the standard that maybe other international federations were at. And, uh, and that caused me, you know, a lot of anxiety and sleepless nights. And um, the, um, ultimately, I left the job because of that um, uh, after working there for three years, which uh, was a difficult decision to make. But, um, but definitely, you know, in retrospect, the right decision. Um, um, in working in athletics, um, you know, it was a fantastic opportunity, you know, and uh, working in, in, in a sport that I'd competed in and, and loved, you know, and working with athletes um, uh, who were competing in, you know, making finals and Olympic games and stuff uh, was, was amazing to, to be, you know, very privileged to be involved in that journey with them. But at the same time, the challenges of, you know, 130 athletes having your mobile number and having your email address and taking calls, you know, at 10 o'clock at night, um, whenever you've, you know, you've got a young family, you know, it's, uh, that, that was challenging. Um, uh, but, you know, Andy, I, I, I feel so lucky. I do a job that I absolutely love. And I, I, you know, I don't have to work nights. I don't have to work well, I, I work some weekends, but not that many. I have a lot of medical colleagues who, who do, you know, work in A&E, saving lives, you know, and are working cancer medicine and things like that. You know, it's proper medicine. Uh, I do a job where hopefully, you know, at times it influences and helps people's quality of life um, and helps them pursue, you know, their goals and, and, and ambitions. Um, but uh, it's, uh, it's a bit of a busman's holiday, really, because, I, you know, I'm doing... I'm going to work every day with a smile on my face because it's, it's very varied. And I, you know, the different roles that I do, um, it, it's always stimulating and challenging um, and, and stressful at times, but, you know, in a good way, generally, by and large, it's, it's good stress. You know, it's stuff that, you know, if it's not stressful, then I think I would get bored. Yeah, well, as we were saying before, I did try and dig up some dirt on you from some of our mutual acquaintances, <laughs> but sadly, I didn't get that much anyway. Well, not not for camera work anyway. Um, <laughs> back to what you were saying there, do you how, how important do you think it is, or how how much has it helped you being a former athlete or an athlete working with similar similar athletes? I, I think it's been incredibly helpful um, uh, because I think. Uh, part of the tools of your trade in, in, our, in sports medicine terms are you learn from the coaches. Um, like when I think of the coaches and the mentors, even from PE teachers at school, those are, that's learning from being um, um, crucial in my career. You know, when I sit down with an athlete who's suffering with fatigue and I'm taking a, a history, that includes their training history and you're looking for load uh, variation and, um, you know, this, the you know, a lot of the triathletes or cycling or, or running based athletes who I see, um, if I hadn't competed in sport and I didn't have that insight, um, it would be very, very difficult to, to understand, to empathize with them, um, but also to, to understand the, the science behind the, the coaching and, the, um, and the, the strength and conditioning. You know, I think most of what I learned for sports medicine came from competing, you know, and, and seeking out, you know, 
sports nutrition, strength and conditioning, psychology, um, input personally for me, first and foremost. And, and, you know, when you're really engaged in that way and you're hungry for the knowledge because you want to perform as well as you can, that's, you know, been really helpful to draw on that experience um, with athletes who I've been working with. Yeah, definitely. And have you ever been tempted to look at other team sports like football or rugby? I don't know if you can share any any uh, offers you've had or anything like that. Yeah, like I, I worked with Chelsea Football Club with the academy when I was a registrar and um, I, um, I did uh, get asked about a uh, post um, uh, uh, with um, uh, a, a Premiership Academy team about four years ago and uh, it was... Um, and I was really tempted at the time um, because the team that I support and uh, I, um, part of me regrets not taking that post at the time, but it was, uh, I, I know from friends and colleagues who work in football medicine, it, the, the impression I get is that it's all consuming. It's 365 days a year. It's, uh, you know, and, and it's very full on. And um, I like at the moment having, you know, a bit more, balance in my life that I can you know spend time with my family at the weekend and and do a bit of sport myself and um uh but um I definitely you know I do want to do more work in, in elite sport in the future um at the moment um I think uh, you know it's needs must and it's it's sort of doing what I um you know the outpatient kind of stuff which I really enjoy um but um Maybe when the kids are a bit older, I'll get back into um, doing some more elite sports stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely, I can imagine it'd be all consuming doing that. Just going back to the beginning again, you didn't actually say what, why medicine? How did you get involved in that initially? Um, that, I remember sitting down with my PE teacher, who was a big influence in my life, a guy called Peter McGinnity, who was um, uh gaa all-star he was like a uh, uh one of the top like footballers in ireland um and happened to be our pe teacher and my dad was a pe teacher and i sat down with both of them at a parent teachers meeting when i was about 16 and um and i was debating on training to be a pe teacher or doing medicine and um and i think i was doing science subjects for a level and uh, my older sister um was studying medicine in belfast at the time and uh, I think I probably didn't have enough insight at the time. They maybe sort of felt that that was the medicine was the right decision for me. And probably looking back on it now, steered me in that direction. Um, and I'm very glad they did. Like, I, 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 um, I love PE, like I love that at school. But I think I, I also um, was very into science at school. And, um, and it just um, seemed to fit with probably my personality type and um but it was probably in, in summary i was influenced by my older sister who's uh, been a mentor throughout my life really um she's a gp in belfast and um uh and also my dad and my pe teacher right and then what you were talking about when you were doing did you come to running purely when you were at university so were you quite a late starter to running uh, no, I, I got into it at school. Um, so I did, um, I competed in like sort of athletics uh, in the school, um, Ulster schools and stuff like that and cross country and um, and I did, but Gaelic football was probably my first sport. Um, and then when it was sort of 2021, 20, um, I, I got more into athletics because 
I, I guess it sort of worked out that I, I was maybe better at running than I was at football. <laughs> so, um, uh, and running has been like I met, you know, met Jess through running, and I, um, I know at a, at a particularly difficult point in my life when I was a junior doctor in Belfast working 100 hours a week and I, I suffered with uh, probably depression looking back on it. Running was the one thing that that gave me some positivity and confidence in my life uh, at that point. And um, uh, it was, um, uh, you know, and it has, you know, given me a lot of enjoyment uh, over the years and I've made a lot of great friends and done a lot of traveling and stuff. So it's, it's, it's had a massive impact on my life and I'm really glad that I've, uh, been able to do that as a sport. Yeah, well, I still know that you turn up and win the Didsbury Park run every now and again. So, <laughs> so unless Tom Lancashire's running, I'm sure he'll want me to say that. Yeah. <laughs> and so, what would you? Are there any sort of things that you would say that would be important for someone wanting to get into this? Whether it's as a, a physician or a physio, or what, what would your advice be on yeah. that? Like, I, I think um, with anything in life, you know. And it's not an easy thing to find out what what your calling is or what you, what what your passion is. But if if it is something that you want to do, um, go after it and follow it with all your strength and dedication because it's a fantastic career. There's a lot of different opportunities out there within sports medicine, uh, whether you're a physiotherapist, a sports rehabilitation um, uh, uh, professional, or a or a a sports medicine doctor um, you know there's opportunities in military medicine in the NHS in elite sports um, and um, in recreational sports um, and the exercise medicine component as well which hopefully you know as time goes on um, that will be a much bigger part of of the wider medical community for patients with cancer and cardiovascular disease and, um, uh, and mental health problems so um, it's a fantastic, fun specialty, you know, and, and I think um, uh, if you want to do it, um, you know, seek out the opportunities. Um, there's, you know, professional organizations like BASM or like BASRAT, um, you know, in terms of education. But there's also lots of, I started off being a volunteer and as a club doctor at Seal Harriers for seven years. And that was fantastic experience seeing, you know, athletes and learning my trade, so to speak. Um, so, and I know there's loads of football clubs and rugby clubs, you know, across the region who are crying out to have, you know, help from physiotherapists and doctors. Um, uh, so, you know, uh, volunteer and, and get stuck in and uh, say yes when the opportunities arise because it's... Uh, it's a fantastic um, specialty and it's uh, I, I can see that it's growing and developing, which is, uh, which is great to see. Definitely. We were talking before as well about personality types, like at Physiquip, the whole team have just done it. So I'm going through everyone's personality types and it's very interesting to see. Apparently I'm terrible at relationship building and execution, which is <laughs> a dagger to my heart. But anyway, that's what the test says. Well, I know you were talking about that, can you share any snippets from your personality tests you did? Yeah, sure. Um, it was um, really interesting. We did a, 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 a it was called Insights um, just before the 2012 Olympics. Um, Sarah Cecil, who's uh, English Institute of Sports psychologist, um, did this process with us to to look at how we interacted as a team and and um, with the athletes and. Uh, 
depending on you know how it was a 30 minute questionnaire from memory and then you were graded um, in different colors you know whether you were mostly red which is very um strong on leadership and on a very um you know sort of feisty um type personality confrontational uh, yellow which was very creative um green which is sort of care and compassion um, tree hugger type and uh, then uh, blue which was um, uh, quite analytical and uh, mine came back sort of 50-50 green and blue so um, caring and analytical so I think it's probably quite um, uh, accurate I, I feel I, I hope anyway um, um, and I know um, you know some of the colleagues who I've worked with in the past who I hugely respect and some of my mentors, you know, have a very strong leadership um, traits and are, are very um, uh, confrontational when they need to be. Um, and, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it was a really good exercise in, in, in learning how to um, maybe try to get the most out of yourself and, and, and other people and how, how to interact with, with other people. Yeah, no, I definitely think so. I definitely agree with that analysis of you as well. So uh, that, that, that's just good as it's all. So, John, thank you very much for joining us. I'm definitely going to be tapping up Susie to, to do a webinar with us in the, the near future. So I would definitely, uh, we'll, we'll factor in some time for that. But other than that, really enjoyed talking to you and hearing a bit more about you. So thank you for joining us. And I will let you get back to your nappy changing or whatever else you need to be doing. Thanks, Andy. It's been great speaking to you too and uh, great to have time with you again. Good man. All the best. Cheers. Bye-bye.